Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 713 for January 22nd, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz, back with Programming by Stealth, installment 134. This is going to be a chewy one, Bart. This is going to be a chewy one because it's one of those ones where we technically learn nothing new. And yet... I don't think I've, it's going to feel that way. <laughs> no, I've read through the, the show notes and I've studied it and I got a whole lot of places I'm going to say, what? What are you talking about? So <laughs> have no fear. Hey, but before we kick in, I, I want okay. to tell you, I had an interesting experience the other day that that I think uh, really talks to the power of what you've been doing here with Programming by Stealth. You, you know, I've complained, or at least maybe not so much on the show, but in our uh, our Slack community at podfeet.com slash Slack and the PBS channel about how I feel like I'm an idiot. Like, I don't know anything. I'm not worthy. I keep I, telling I'm, you you're wrong, by the way. Just, just. <laughs> yes, every time. But I just feel like, oh, I should know more. But um, somebody wrote a, a Python script to, uh, to solve this game that's all the rage on the internet uh, right this minute. And uh, I got the person to let me into the repo. It was in Python. I figured out how to clone it. I figured out, even though it was in a private repo, which caused me all kinds of grief, I installed four, went through four different uh, Git clients before I got through to it. I got it downloaded. I don't know anything about Python. Determined I was running the wrong version of Python because it's old and ancient and creepy on the Mac. Figured out how to find a new version of Python in, in uh, Homebrew. Then realized that Apple still keeps the old one and the new one. So I had to figure out how to talk to the new one. Tried to run it, didn't run it, didn't run, but I knew that I had to do a chmod 7 Five, five in order to set the permissions so that it would run. I In the end, I actually ended up contributing back to the person's repo. It, it was in uh, comments, but it was still, I, uh, I, I knew so many little things. I knew all these pieces. I knew to go to homebrew. I knew to set the, the permissions. I knew how to, I, to go get the repo. I knew a lot of stuff. And the most important thing is you knew what to Google for the stuff you didn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a little googling in the middle of right, that, for but, sure. But that's yeah. the skill. That like, if you were to stick a camera behind me while I'm doing my day job, you will not see someone who knows everything. You'll see someone who knows what to Google. <laughs> but you got to know that it exists and that there is an answer to the question and how to formulate the question. And, yep. and my father used to, uh, my mother used to complain when my father would answer our questions when we were small children, because he would, he, if you asked him what time it was, he would tell you how to build a clock kind of a guy. <laughs> and he said back to my mother, he said, I think of children as, as like trying to pour information into a wine bottle, just keep throwing buckets of, of water at it or wine. And, and some of it's going to get in there. And I think that's, what's been happening is you've been, you've been pouring wine in my wine bottle and a bunch of it's gotten in there, but it's, it's maybe a small percentage of what you poured, but I know a lot of stuff. And I, Felt, I felt really powerful yesterday because of that. that. That is the nicest thing you could possibly have said, because I think the word we used in episode one was that we wanted to empower people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely don't know everything. I have a giant hill to climb, but the more I listen to developers, the more I realize everybody kind of feels that way. I was just going to say, I am now, oh, do I get to call myself a veteran? In the IT at this stage. How old do you have to be before you can use that phrase? There's a lot of grey in my beard, if that helps. Well, you, you do know the answer to life, the universe and everything, so. I, that is true, since I'm now 42. Um, but you never stop. The moment you stop learning is the moment you become irrelevant. The moment you think you know it all is when you're wrong and when you're irrelevant and probably dangerous. And at the very least, you'd be bored if you did. If you were right, it'd be really dull. Oh, God, yeah. Ooh. No, no danger of that, though. No danger of that. All right. Well, I just wanted to give you some some happy, happy joy, joy about the work you've been doing here for 133 episodes so far. So uh, thank Yay. you. Feel good. Yay. Good. Um, I will say, all right, so we are doing some heavy lifting today, and it's for the purpose, really, of explaining that there's two really nice tricks that Jest does to make its API look more human-friendly. And Jest, and again, is the test-driven development environment we're going to be using that we haven't seen yet. Correct. So we're going to okay. see it next installment. But before we see it, at first glance, it's going to look like magic. It's not. It's plain old JavaScript with a cleverly structured API to make it read much more like English. And so the aim of today 
if the only thing you take out from away from today is that you know it is possible to do this without without breaking JavaScript, Jest isn't magic; it's just clever. <laughs> That's actually sufficient. Oh, okay. We don't have to be able to write what you're going to teach us, but we need to be able to read what you're going to teach us and understand and, why it's what it's doing. Correct. And should you ever find yourself in a position where you have the same problem to solve, know that this exists. Okay. And okay. then you'll be motivated. Then <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That makes me feel a little better. I wish I'd known that the first time I was reading through it because I was a little overwhelmed, but I'm going to, I got it now. So... We were doing our little bit of a refresher for January. So we did, uh, we cleaned up a little confusion around NPM. We did a little bit on JS doc tags last time. We did a refresher on the different ways of defining functions with particular focus on the arrow function, since it's the newest member of the family. So it was only invented in ES version six. And then we reminded ourselves of how function chaining works. And that is something that Jest does a lot of. And so now we're going to talk about an interesting way in which you can use getters to create a syntax that that's really cool is the best way to describe it. <laughs> okay. And also an introduction to the concept that it's a bit like it's turtles all the way down. You can have a function that returns a function. Okay. So an, right, a 2D array is an array of arrays. Well, a function that returns a function, you can almost think of it as like a 2D function. Hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Which can a is a little return bit, a bunch of functions? Uh, well, you'd have to return them as an array because you can only return one thing. Right. I was wondering about that. Okay. Yeah. So you still don't get to return one thing, but that one thing could be an array or something else. But yeah, it's it's not new, but it is a bit brain bendy. <laughs> what if we connect this to itself? Whoa. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to start last week or the last installment. I promised these two topics in the opposite order. And then I realized that the one about abusing or using getters in an interesting way actually follows on really nicely from function chaining. So we're going to do it first because it's a really special type of function chaining. And I see this in use a lot. This is a really common design philosophy or design pattern. Design pattern. Yeah, that's a technical word. Well, I like like your your title of this uh, section, an interesting abuse of getters and the AB is in parentheses. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's probably because half of the, the software engineers, the purest half, would definitely take the parentheses out and the pragmatic half would... Take them out too, but leave the AB sitting right, or take the AB out with the parentheses. Just, you know, it's a great use of getters. Anyway, I tried to find an official name because most design patterns have a name. I can't find one. So I've made up my own because I, we can't just keep, I tried to write the show notes without giving this, these concepts names and every sentence became like an essay. Oh, okay. Because you had to describe it each time what you were Each and every time. So okay. I decided to be the most hubristic I've ever been and, and make up a name. So there's two concepts we're going to see, and I'm going to call the first concept pass-through functions, and I'm hoping that'll become obvious why. And the second one, I initially was going to call them sneaky functions, and then I realized this is programming by stealth, so I renamed them stealth functions. <laughs> okay. All right, pass-through functions and stealth functions. But to be clear, these are made-up words by Bart. Correct, which is why I've italicized them everywhere in the show notes to keep reminding you of the fact that I'm hand-waving. Just imagine air quotes and hand-waving all the way through. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing I want to start with is what a normal instance function is and how we use them, right? So when you write a class and you stick a function inside that class, unless you've gone out of your way to not make it an instance function, that's what it'll be. And when I say gone out of your way, I mean stuck the word static in front of it. So by default, functions inside classes are instance functions. And the reason they're called that is because instance functions get called on, is the lingo, and an instance of the class. So you have an instance of your class, and then you say dot name of function. Well, the function is an instance function, and it's called on whatever was to the left of that dot. So Jill just- has been reminding me of this lately in some conversations. She's been helping me try to solidify some of this, and... The the thing I can't picture is what a static function would do. Is that important? I mean, we, we can skip that if that derails today. 
uh, a static function belongs to the class, not to right. an instance. So it's name right. of class dot function. And okay. it, you will use it only for something that applies to all of whatever oh, okay. the class is for. Okay. Not, okay. not one of, but all of. Okay, so the instance function is going to be the, the instance name dot that function. Correct. Correct. The static function would be the class dot that function. Okay. Bing, bing. Exactly. Okay. And so we say that we call an instance function on something, and the something is whatever was to the left of the dot. Okay. So when we say calling a function on, we just mean look left. So if we have, I've written the world's smallest class as an example, class dummy class, open squigglies, an instance function, open and close parens, open squiggly, console.log, blather, 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 and then close everything off. Right. That's a class with one function. It is an instance function because it doesn't have the word static in front of it. So if I try to use that function on the class, I will get an error. So if I say dummy class dot an instance function, I will get a type error. Dummy class dot instance function is not a function. It is, in fact, oh. undefined. I've seen that error before when I'm looking right at my function. I wonder. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so that's what it looks like when you call an instance function on a class. Okay. But if we then make ourselves an instance of our dummy class, so const an instance becomes equal to new dummy class, well, then we can say an instance dot an instance function, and that will work just fine because there's an instance to the left of the dot. Okay. So again, this is is very much, yeah. So now nothing here is new. So we can return anything we like from a function. Right? Well, you know, whatever exists, we can return it. Now, every instance function has for free, not for free, given to you by the language, a special variable named this. And this is a reference to the thing the function was called on. In other words, this is a reference to whatever was on the left of the dot. You can return this. So you can return an instance. The, instance. Not an instance, the instance that you were called on. Okay, so I've got an instance, I've got a dot name of instance function, mm-hmm. and name of instance function, that, that can have in it return this, and I would get the instance that I just called it on. Correct. Huh. Now stick that in a chain. And what Ooh. you end up with is a function that does something, and then takes itself out of the chain. So the function executes, and it does something, Okay. But the return value is what it started with. So in effect, it's fallen out of the chain. It Which passes is great because through. that means now to the left of the next thing is the instance that you were on. Correct. If you, return, if you return this on the second function, it would also get out of the way and let you add a third one. Correct, correct, correct. Ah. So you can ripple changes down through a, fun- down through a function chain by hmm. each one passing through the object, which is why I've named them pass-through functions. Okay. As I pass the instance through on a chain. And we have seen this already. We didn't name it, but we saw it, right? If you imagine the little bit jQuery code here, dollar, so we call the dollar function with the string angle bracket h1 close angle bracket. That makes a new jQuery object that represents an h1 that is sitting in limbo. We haven't added it to our document object model, so it's an h1 tag in limbo. Okay. That now exists as an object. And it has an instance function called add class, which allows you to pass it a string. And that will add that CSS class to the H1 object. Right. And it returns this. Oh. So the next call in the chain is a call to the adder function, which is setting the ID to main underscore heading. But we're setting the ID on the same object because it was passed through. So is it documented somewhere that add class returns this? It doesn't... It, I don't remember the, the exact wording. I don't remember the exact wording that jQuery chose, but yes. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that that syntax is familiar. Yeah. I've even and so that's the, the the magic sauce is simply return this. Hmm. So you know, I've 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 said we've seen it elsewhere, but let's see it for reals. Okay, I say for reals. This is oh. a very, very dummy, uh, <laughs> a very dummy example. I'm going to make a class that describes very poorly a parrot. This parrot will have one property, which is a name, and it will have two functions. It will have a function to squawk and a function to talk. It also has a, a getter for its name, just for convenience. Now, 
squawk, console.logs call, and then returns this. And talk, console.logs, the name of the parrot followed by once a cracker, and then returns this. I know, I'm being you very silly while here. writing this, didn't you? <laughs> I did have a little bit too much fun, yes. But I've discovered that the more, fun, the more I make myself chuckle writing the notes, the more likely you are to keep enjoying the show. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so if we now make ourselves a parrot, const p becomes equal to the new parrot Polly. I've named my parrot Polly. I'm very unimaginative. I may have watched too much Monty Python. So I can now say p.squawk.talk.squawk. Because squawk is a pass-through and talk is a pass-through, so P is just going to ripple all the way through and it's going to go, caw, Polly wants a cracker, caw. <laughs> and I could stick a dot talk on the end and it would still be Polly, right? Because Polly has rippled the whole way through, so at the end of the chain, we still have Polly. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yes. So. Actually, no, at the end you have P. Which is the... Whose name is Polly. His name is Polly, yeah. The object that gets passed through is P, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's the first of our two concepts out of the way already. So that is what I mean by a pass-through function. It's an instance function that returns this. So when you stick it in a chain, it passes through. Whatever was on the left gets passed through. Okay. So the second concept is so-called, what I am calling, it's not even so-called, what I call stealth functions. So getters were added to JavaScript in ES6 to solve a problem. And so I'm first going to explain the normal use, not explain, re-familiarize ourselves with the normal use of a getter. So I'm going to use a real-world example because it was added to the language because there were real-world things that were hard to model in JavaScript because you didn't have this concept of a getter. So... Imagine you have a Frisbee, right? Which is, for those of you who don't know, it's a disc that you throw and it stays up in the air way longer than it should. And they're cool. (laughs) Um, A Frisbee being a circle, you can take a tape measure and you can measure its diameter and you can take a tape measure and you can measure its circumference, the distance around its edge. And with a little bit of work, a bit of squared paper and some counting, you could measure its area, right? Mm -hmm. Those three things you can measure and get a number for. If you change any one of those, all of them change. So the Frisbee doesn't really have three properties. It has one fundamental inner property, which manifests in three different ways. Because if you change the radius, you cannot get the circumference not to change. The laws of physics would break. Mm -hmm. And the area would change too, right? So... You can measure three things. And so if the Frisbee was an object, you would want to be able to say dot circumference and get a number. And you'd want to be able to say dot area and get a number. But if you changed any of them, they should all change. So if you made three variables, you would then have to be really careful that if anyone updates one variable, you have to manually update the other two. Or you end up with your your instance containing something I mean, the computer won't care that it's not physically possible, right? The computer will do what you tell it. But your model of reality has broken down. So really, you should store one thing, the radius of your Frisbee. And you should derive from that one stored value the other values. But the user of your class shouldn't know that's what you're doing, right? So the getter allows you to make it look like a normal property, but actually be computed instead of just a value. Okay. So we actually wrote the code because it's easy. And that's the kind of problem that getters were designed to solve? Correct. Correct. Because otherwise you would have had... you access to things that aren't inherent to it but you could you could use if you wanted to yeah so before before getters you would have had to create a so you would have stored radius as one property but you couldn't have then had dot diameter you would have had to have a function dot get diameter which would have to be a function which would then return the radius times two for the diameter okay Okay. But with getters, we can make them all look like normal properties. So you so you can say, well, we'll see it here, right? So you can say whatever you named your frisbee dot radius dot diameter dot circumference, and they all look like properties. 
no brackets anywhere, but under the hood, they're actually functions. So why is making it look like a property easier than just having a function that did that? Well, because especially when you combine the getter with a setter, the code being written by the developer will, by someone using your API, they don't have to think which, which, what kind of a thing is radius. Did they decide radius was the important one and diameter was a derived one? You just say, oh, okay. I know the radius, I want to change the radius, dot radius, right? You just, okay. Okay. You, you do what makes sense. So I've written a class Frisbee in the show notes and it's a very simple class. I've done no error checking so as not to confuse things. So class Frisbee, open curlies, constructor takes one argument or open curlies, this that underscore radius becomes or end our end of our constructor. Then we have a getter, get radius, return this that underscore radius. That's a normal getter there. Mm-hmm. Get diameter, return this dot radius star two. Ah, okay. I have computed it. Get circumference, return two star math dot pi star this dot radius. I have now computed the circumference. And the area is pi r squared, and I was too lazy to use math dot pow two, so I just went return math dot pi star this dot radius star this dot radius. Uh, just for uh, doing typos real time, should all those be dot underscore radius in e- those three? No, because I wrote get radius above it as a, as a getter. Oh, okay. That's why that line is there, really. Well, and because it should be, right? Because again, the okay. person outside, the person using my class shouldn't need to know that under the hood I've been clever, right? They mm. don't care. They just, want to, they just want to make Frisbees. Right? Okay. So if we try to make a Frisbee, we can say const f becomes equal to new Frisbee 12. And then we can console.log the radius is $f.radius inches. The diameter is $f.diameter inches. The circumference is blah, blah, blah. You get the radius is 12. The diameter is 24. Uh, the circumference is 75.3982 lots of dots, and the area <laughs> is 452 in a bit. Okay. Right, so that's that. That, that's why they were invented. But of course, a getter is a function, right? It's There are some rules. It's a function that takes exactly zero arguments. Because when you're calling it, where could you put the arguments? When you say f dot radius, where would you put an argument? <laughs> right, right. Right. So it's not, a, it's not a function, though. Well, it is a no. It's pretending not to be. <laughs> but it is. But it is right. But because it's pretending, mm. there's no way to shove an argument at it. Okay. So a getter is a function that takes no arguments. But a getter, as its name implies, returns something. That's its job in life. It's a function mm. with no arguments that returns something. Okay. It can return anything. So. This is what getters were designed for. But are we getting to the abuse part? Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, there is nothing to stop you, say, doing a bunch of logic and then returning this. So now you have a chainable instance, a chainable property. Sorry. Yeah. So you have something that looks like a property, but is now chainable because it really is a function in the skies. Okay. So let us update our our parrot from above. And the only thing I'm going to do is stick the word get in front of squawk and talk. Everything else is copy-paste. I just okay. think get name, sorry, get squawk and get talk instead of squawk and talk. Okay. So now to use our function, z, in disguise, I can say const q becomes equal to new parrot and I put poly in backwards. Sort of, uh, and called the Q instead of P. Um, Q dot squawk dot talk dot squawk. So the only difference is now the because there are properties. Yeah, they don't have the parentheses because it was yeah. squawk parentheses dot talk parentheses dot squawk parentheses. But now we don't even think of it as a function, it even though it's a function looks- in disguise. Don't tell anybody it's stealth. Exactly. We can use them like it, it just looks like a property because it's passing this all the way through. Yeah. yeah. By the way, now, this is where hearing you describe it and reading together are magic. Because I read that and I was like, that looks almost the same. What is he doing? And now I get it. Yeah. So basically, that is that they are the two concepts fully put together. And we've already seen this. Hmm. This is my theme of the day. I've shown you this before. I just haven't called it out. 
So the is.js library is one of my favorite little utilities to use everywhere because I, I, I am so gotten over the concept of typing if type of x triple equals string. No, is.string, right? And I don't want to do an if type of blah, not double equals, whatever, right? That's is why you dot, like it so much, because it's always in your code. And I think, oh, I don't have that. I'm not going to use that. <laughs> it just makes my code so much easier to read. And it supports the syntax I adore. Is dot not dot string. Oh, look, it's okay. a property. It's a function pretending to be a property. Ah, so is. dot not or not is a is a function inside in disguise. is, but it's an instance function that's passed. It's passing uh, through. The passing is. through this. Well, okay. I've actually had a look at the source code. They're imp they're, they're implementing the same syntax in a subtly different way. But the point is, not is a function in disguise, and it is rippling through so that basically I get to just simply put in dot not dot, which makes my my code really easy to read. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's what's going on there. So now I've shown you, but now let's actually do something. Now, this is, this is extremely realistic. This is actually a dumbed-down version of code that I've actually open-sourced a long time ago called uh, H... I think I called it HJN, Human Joiner. Um, so I am in error... I seem to run into this all the time, and I don't understand why it hasn't been solved as part of the core JavaScript language. My error messages very often need to contain the an array joined together to form part of a sentence. The following five user accounts had an error. And then I want to write them, jblogs, comma, t, jane, doe, comma, whatever, and something else. The array prototype, oh, sorry, the array class has a join function, but it doesn't let me change the last one. So I can have them comma separated, but then it'll just be a trailing comma, right? So what I want right. is a JavaScript function that will take an array and give me, you know, pancakes, comma, waffles, and popcorn, right? The last one I want you to do something with, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to go a little bit further. And we're going to support a couple of different features. So I want to be able to turn an array pancakes, waffles, popcorn into strings of the form pancakes, comma, waffles, and popcorn, or pancakes in single quotes, comma, popcorn in single quotes, and waffles. Notice I've they've become alphabetically sorted there. Or pancakes, comma, waffles, or popcorn, all double quoted. And you, the so, first one, by the way, was with an ampersand, just for those listening. That's a good point. That didn't sound any different, did it? <laughs> no. So basically, we want to control three things—three things. We want to control the final conjunction. Is it an ampersand, an and, or an or? Mm -hmm. Whether or not we enable sorting, and what characters we should use to quote each item with, if any. So there are so three no little quotes, bits of functionality. And double quotes. Yeah. Okay. So we could easily implement that. You know, w with a simple class, I'm going to name a joiner. That's what it does. And I'm going to give the class three properties, conjunction, quote, with, and, oh, I decided to name that sort by. No, do sort. I think I decided to name that in the code itself. So I'll just update the show notes quickly. So if you look at our class, this is nothing out of the ordinary. I have thrown in doc comments just so that you guys get used to seeing doc comments, right? So, mm -hmm. but it just has a constructor that takes three arguments, conjunction, quote, with, and do sort. It makes sure there are strings or booleans, and then it saves them. We have getters and setters to get our conjunction or set our conjunction, to get our quote with and set our quote with, and uh, do sort, get and set, right? Nothing exotic there. Our joiner function, our function to do the actual joining, I called join. I'm not very imaginative. It takes one argument, the list I'd like to join. It throws an error if, I, if you don't give me a list to join. An array. Uh, that's, yes, an, sorry, an array, yes. By a list, I mean array. Um, I short-circuit what to do if the array is of length zero. Perfectly valid. Just return an empty string. Don't even bother with the logic, right? It's it's often very good for the efficiency of your code if you can short-circuit a dumb answer. Just So the, the function will just go, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, there you go, nothing. I didn't even have to think about that. Here you go, have nothing. 
I need I to think about it. You know. do that, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, you won't know as a developer, right? All you're going to see is a really quick answer. You're going to call the API and it's just going to give you the answer you want quickly. Oh, no, but it's not going to do anything at all because you didn't give it an array. Right, but that's perfectly valid. If I'm writing an error message, the following zero counts had problems. Just give me an empty string. No, but there's no error to tell me that that's why. But there's just no error. Return- if you give me, if you ask me to join nothing, I'm going to give you back an empty string. That is, that is correct. Oh, 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 you'll give me back an empty string. You won't give me back nothing. Yeah, okay. Nothing. I meant nothing in a is... much more colloquial way. Yes. <laughs> okay, so an empty glass still has a glass. Even though exactly. It's empty. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. I feel better now. I hate the ones that just go, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and don't tell you whether you succeeded or failed. Yeah, that is one yeah. of my absolute pet peeves. Okay. So... We may or may not be sorting this array. The sort function doesn't make a copy of an array and then sort it. It actually sorts the array you gave it, which would be spooky action at a distance. So I'm being polite here, and I'm doing a basic clone of the array using the spread operator. So I'm saying let list become equal to open square bracket triple dot ARR, which is the array close square bracket. So that just makes a copy of the array. And then I can sort that array if this dot do sort. So uh, you said you're doing a, a using the arrow function, but I don't hmm. see any arrow function. Spread operator. I, I'm almost certain I said spread operator, which okay. is a triple dot. So it's a shallow clone. You've taught us about those about 100 years ago. I Yes. Yeah, so what that means is take everything in the array and copy it into a new array. Right. But if right. the everything was another array, I would be copying a reference. So I'm not diving down arbitrarily deep. If it was an array of arrays, this technique would fail. But I did say this function was for an array of strings, so if you're going to give me an array of arrays and I do some spooky action at a distance, whose fault is that? (laughs) If you want to remember more about shallow clones, uh, you can look it up in the PBS index that is still maintained by Dorothy, podfeet.com slash PBS index. And it's been too long since I've said thank you, Dorothy. So thank you, Dorothy, especially because... I keep on writing more stuff. I keep on right. making work. <laughs> Just so people remember it's still out there and still being updated. I used it uh, last week or the week before. Excellent. Yes, good. Thank you for reminding me as well. Because I sometimes end up searching my own site. And I shouldn't. I should go to the index. <laughs> um, okay, so then we can stick our string together. Um I'm just going to save quote with as a variable called Q so my code becomes shorter. Basically, we say we start off with the first thing in the list with Q front and back. Then we loop through our list starting at the second item. And then if we're at the last item, we use shove in the conjunction. Otherwise, we basically we use comma space to separate them. Okay. And that's basically all we're doing there. And then we return the string we built. So it's, you know, basic JavaScript programming there. So that is the normal, that is the traditional way of doing things. We have not abused anything. We have not, we've not done anything weird, right? And this mm-hmm. works, right? So you can say const fav food becomes equal to the array pancakes, waffles, popcorn. J becomes equal to new joiner with the three arguments, the ampersand symbol, an empty string because I don't want to quote and false because I don't want to sort. And then I can console.log j.join fav foods and I will see it prints out pancakes, comma, waffles, ampersand, popcorn. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I can say j.dosort becomes equal to true. So I'm using my setter there to set do sort true. And if oh. I call the function again, now it becomes pancakes, comma, popcorn and waffles. I can say j.conjunction becomes equal to or using the other setter. So now it becomes pancakes, comma, popcorn or waffles. And I, I can want say it back to and I want all three. <laughs> There you go. Uh, although I don't think I do that in this example. The next thing I do is I say j.quote wit becomes equal to the double quote. And then we have pancakes, quoted pancakes, comma, quoted popcorn, comma, or, or waffles, also quoted. Great. So that works. But it's not the world's prettiest API. Like new joiner ampersand empty space false. Is that informative? On its own. If you come across that in the middle of a 500-line piece of code and you don't have my documentation to hand, do you know what that does at a glance? No. Not a clue, right? And that's not your fault as the user of the API. That's the writer of the API's fault. That's not a clear API. We can make it better by using our pass-through functions in disguise. So 
take all the code above, right, dot, dot, dot at the top there. And then after everything that was written above, we're going to add in some extra getters. So I'm calling these disguised pass-through functions. That, so the first one says disguised pass-through function that sets the conjunction to and. Get and, open and close parens, this dot conjunction becomes equal to and, return this. So explain what that means now. So uh, is that so what turns it into one of these pass-through functions? So it is, okay, so get and means, so if we left out the get, it would be a pass-through function in the traditional sense where we'd have to call it with parentheses, but it is returning this, so it is going to pass through. And then by so saying get and, we're making it where we don't have to put the brackets on. Okay, okay, so it just, it just that's what makes it look like a property is the get and. Yes. Okay. So what we're doing is we're saying change our internal state, this dot conjunction becomes equal to and, and now pass through. So we've modified ourselves and then passed through. Hmm, okay. And the other functions do the same thing. So get ampersand, this dot conjunction becomes equal to ampersand. Get or, this dot conjunction becomes equal to or. Uh, get quote, this dot quote width becomes equal to a single quote. Get double quote, this dot quote width becomes equal to a double quote. Get sort, this dot do sort becomes equal to true. And all of these are returning this. Now, the last step here is a little trick that I do. I, there is a name for this design pattern. It's called a factory method. Instead of making you call new, it calls it for you and hands it back. Oh, and why on earth is there... Oh. Uh, Hold, please. Yeah, why? I'm just looking at my own... Oh, no... Right, that explain okay, that console.log was there because I was debugging. That console.log is not part of the final product. That explains why my output was a bit weird. Right, okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Okay, so back up and talk about uh when I was reading this through the first time, I did get stuck. To make our class even easier to use, let's add a so-called factory method. What is a factory method? We haven't met That's that. That's what before. I was about to say. We haven't okay. talked about him yet. Okay. So Without a factory method, you would have to say new and then the name of the class to get an object to start the chain, right? A chain has to have something to the left to start with. It is an instance. Right. Now, the way JavaScript precedence works, the word new has a really low precedence. So you actually have to say new joiner open and close parens and then wrap all of that in a parens and then start your chain. So okay. you have open parens, new space, joiner, open, close parens, close parens, dot, and then you can start your chain. Okay. okay. That's icky. So the only thing a factory method does is it does the new for you and returns it. So how do you, what's a factory method look like? Function, whatever name you want to give it, const, anything you like, becomes equal to new, whatever it is you want, return the new thing. I am choosing to pass through the arguments. Hang on. Hang on, Bart. Okay, so I've got, uh, we're defining a class. We're defining an instance function in the class because it no, no, doesn't No, 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 this is, we're outside the class here. This is just oh. a function. Oh, sorry. Okay, let me see if I follow that. It, make, it might make more sense outside of the function or outside of the class. So we've yeah. got a class um, uh, called joiner. We're gonna. We have a function. We're creating a function called joiner. With a lowercase job. G. Its whole job is to create a new uh, joiner with some arguments. Yeah, and in fact, so dot dot so triple dot arguments is something we talked about when we learned about the spread operator. It right. basically says pass joiner with a capital J all the arguments that were passed to me, because okay. the special variable arguments contains my arguments. So the spread operator just spread, splits them apart. So arguments okay. is an array and the spread operator just splits it apart. So what we're basically saying is the function name joiner is just going to make us a new instance of the mm -hmm. class joiner with a capital J and return it. And the only effect that has is to make our, instead of having to say open parens, new space, joiner, open parens, our arguments, close parens, close parens, we can just say joiner and then give our arguments. Okay, but now, even though we've got a class with capital J, we're going to use the function lowercase j, and then from that, we're going to string all of the properties against that. Correct. So then we have an instance, 
which can be the start of a chain, right? You have to have an instance to start a chain because a chain there's always has to be something on the left. Well, you got to get your something. So that's all the that's all the factory method is for. It's just building you an instance, and then you have a thing you can chain. But what's the name of the instance? It it doesn't have a name. It's just a returned value. Aww. How can an instance not have a name? Okay, if you return forty two, it doesn't have a name. It's just the output of the function. No, but you, you can save it to something. Instance, so how do you tell them apart if there's no name to it? Well, the instance isn't going to exist because you don't really care about ah, the instance. Ah, the instance doesn't exist. Okay. Well, it won't exist when we're finished with it, right? We, we want the instance to do a join, and then we don't care about it anymore. Once, we've, once it's done our join for us, do we need it? We only wanted it because it needs to do a join. It's almost like it's, a, it's an anonymous instance or something. That's exactly what it is. Yes, 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 okay. yes. It is an anonymous instance that we're going to use to do one thing and then throw it away. It's a disposable anonymous instance. Okay. <laughs> throw away object. Disposable might be a more uh, appropriate name. Okay, so in, now instead of having to put uh, something equals new joiner with a capital J and putting all of that in parentheses and then doing these these properties against it, which really functions, but they're stealth. Instead, we just say lowercase joiner with the parentheses because that is a function, and then we can apply the properties to it. Yeah, so then we can start chaining. Okay. So basically, we can. So if we make our array of favorite foods again, pancakes, waffles, popcorn, we can say console.log joiner open and close parens, which means I now have an instance of the class joiner. Dot ampersand. Well, the ampersand function in disguise sets the conjunction to the symbol ampersand and returns this. So I still have my anonymous instance being passed to the next point in the chain, which is the join function. So it's simply going to return the string pancakes, comma, waffles, ampersand, popcorn. Right, right. I can do more, though. So I can say joiner.quote.sort.and.join. Because each of these passes through. So the anonymous instance ripples, then gets joined. So we say, it's also okay, set human it human readable. Yes, 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 yes. They're not magic numbers. It's like, what do you want to do? I want to quote it, I want to sort it, and then call, and I want to use the and, and then join it. Right, right. Now or that you does can depend s- on the developer to use reasonable naming properties yes. slash stealth functions. Correct, correct. But it means that the developer can give you, if they've designed the API well, any random person can look at these random lines of code and have an idea what's going on, which was not possible with that constructor with those three arguments. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You have a way better chance. And basically, this Englishy type of syntax is becoming very fashionable, and I wholeheartedly agree with this fashion. (laughs) And just uses this everywhere. Ah. And so when we're writing our tests, we're going to use English words to describe what the test result should be via this magic, which isn't magic, it's just JavaScript, right? That's the whole point. So we're going to get nice English tests because Jest uses this technique. So that is the most, that is the biggest lift of the day. Although um, the next lift is a smaller lift, but it may it may be more timey-wimey. It may be more noodly. I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's one concept, but it's a little bit self-referential. So it has that thing where, you know, you ever, like, I, I remember as a kid, my mom had a dressing table with a flat mirror and folding mirrors that closed in. Yes. And you could open the side mirrors so that you could see infinity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I sometimes think about this when we come to things like a function that returns a function. I, I do sort of think, am I off to infinity? It doesn't have to go all the way to infinity, but it can get a bit weird. Right, right. Okay, so I'm going to remind you of a piece of truth that I, I know I spent so much time saying it that I feel like it's a cliche, but in JavaScript, everything's an object pretty much, unless it's a everything that isn't a Boolean, a number, or a string is an object. A plain That's object. I, that is that has caused Dorothy more anger from me than anything you've ever said. Because she'll say, "No, Allison, that's an object." And I go, well, everything's an object if it's not a boolean <laughs> or a string. Yeah, be more specific. I hate that. Like, yeah, what kind of object? object? 
So a plane object is an object of class object with a capital O. An array is an instance of the class array with a capital A. A regular expression is an instance of the class regexp with a capital R and a capital E. Exceptions are instances of the class error with a capital E. Or one of its subclasses, if we're going to get pernickety. Uh, But what's important to us today is the fact that functions, and technically speaking classes, are instances of the class function with a capital F. Oh, really? Which means a function is an object, so you can do anything with it you could do with any other object. So you can pass it as an argument, which we've already done lots of times for event handlers, and the name we give the act of passing a function as an argument is we refer to it as a callback. It's just a function as an argument, but we call it a callback. Well, so say that again. So a function as an argument is what we call a callback. But yeah. it, we can do that because a function is an object because it's a, an instance of the class function? Correct. Well, so I sounded can't... like I made sense, but that those that's a lot of weird. <laughs> Basically, the way I like to think of it is anywhere I can shove a string, I can pass a function. If I can say open parens and shove a string in there, I can say open parens and shove a function in there. Hmm. It's pretty like anything you can do with a string, you can do with a function, which is a bit weird. But yeah. that is one of JavaScript's powers. Um, there is also a subtlety that people may or may not want to... Basically, any pedant out there is going to remind me that in Java, in modern JavaScript, strings are, are actually objects too, because every time you treat a string as an object, by the laws of... It's almost like um, quantum mechanics. If you treat a string like a liter, like a value, it behaves like a value. And if you treat a string like an object, it behaves like an object. So you can say, quote, waffles, close quote, dot to uppercase, and JavaScript magics the waffles into an object of type string with a capital S, and then calls the to uppercase function on it. <laughs> so that's a little bit of magic going on under the hood there. So a string might even be an object too. Uh, so really, booleans aren't, and numbers aren't, and everything else probably is. So we've seen that we can make anonymous functions, right? Like the arrow functions we were doing last time. So an anonymous function is just a value, like the string boogers. Oh, sorry, waffle. So if I can return waffles, I can return a function. Hmm. Okay. I can do anything with a function I can do with any other object. So I'm going to make a function that makes a function to make some pretend food. And by make food, I mean print an emoji. Because that's how I make food in in these show notes. (laughs) So... I'm going to make a function called food maker maker because it's going to okay. make a food maker. Okay. And it's going to take as an argument the item of food that the food maker is going to make. So we're doing a little bit of jiggery poker here. If you didn't pass me a string, I'm just going to pretend you passed me the string pancake emoji. I could have thrown an error there, but I wanted to keep the code simple. So if type of food item not double equal string, food item becomes equal to pancake. Seems reasonable. If you didn't tell me what you wanted to order, I'm going to get you pancakes. I would. <laughs> I'd probably get you popcorn. But no, you know, on the whole, pancakes are a possibility. Um, return an arrow function. The arrow function, n with the default value of 1, and then the arrow into the code. If we don't have an integer greater than 1, pretend we do. Right, that's all that first line of the function does. It just says, if you pass me something that isn't a number greater than zero, I'm going to pretend you said one. Console.log food item dot repeat n. So the arrow function figures out a number greater than zero, and then it repeats the food item that many times. And then it returns that arrow function. Dumb question. Where's n coming from? Because we didn't pass it to the function foodmakermaker. n is coming into being. n is defined as... n is the name we give the first argument of the arrow function. Okay. So we we made it come into being when we said, when we said n becomes equal to 1, right? That is saying the oh, first okay. argument in, of in the, the arrow the, function, the fir- we shall first... call you n. Sorry, I talked over you there. Whatever you pass as the first argument to this arrow function, we shall dub it n between that opening curly and that closing curly. 
Okay, but where is it getting passed to us because food maker maker doesn't get passed n? Correct. Because food maker maker is returning a function that it, it is not executing the function, it is returning the function. Oh, because they're okay. So, so at whatever later point on, in the future we'll, you okay. use my food maker that I've made with my food maker maker, then you're going to tell me how many pancakes you want or whatever right. it is you asked for. Okay. Okay. Right. It's so we're making right. functions, not calling functions. Right. So we're saying in future, I will make you whatever you asked for. Now, there's something subtle but important going on here. So inside the arrow function, right, I use food item. I say food item dot repeat n. Mm -hmm. Food item is the name given to the first argument for the outer function. So we're making a function and returning it, but it's referring to something that exists inside the function. What happens? If I call foodmaker twice, actually, I had two questions. If I call foodmaker and it returns this function that calls something inside foodmaker, will that something inside foodmaker vanish into the ether the moment foodmaker maker stops executing? Does it disappear? Is the first question to ask. And the second question is if I call foodmaker twice, is there one copy of food item? Or does every call to the function get its own copy of food item? Spoiler alert, the answer to the first question is no, it does not vanish into the ether. And the answer to the second question is yes, they do each get their own copy. So JavaScript does something very clever when you run a function. So the moment you execute a function, a new scope is created. And that scope exists the whole way through the function but when you get to the end of the function, JavaScript doesn't throw the scope away. It checks if anyone is using it. And if no one is using it, it throws the scope away. But we've made a function inside our function that is using food item. So when JavaScript comes to the end of food maker maker, is my scope finished being used? No, that, that guy over there has a copy. And the scope hmm. exists forevermore. Hmm. And it has its value. The second time I run foodmaker maker, a new scope is created. It gets to the end of the function. It goes, is everyone finished? Oh, God, you're holding, on to, you're holding on to the food item. Okay, then, I guess the scope can't be destroyed either. There are now two copies of food item. One of them is fossilized inside the first arrow function. And the other one is fossilized inside the second arrow function. So we could have two million food item they're each in their own scope and they're each stuck or fossilized or preserved in amber, whatever way you want to think about it. They get to keep it forever. So they have a, so every time the function runs, the, a new arrow function is made and that arrow function has its own food item that it gets to keep forever. Okay. I can prove this to you by running it and showing. I'm going to show instead of tell on this one. Okay. Right. Because this is very. There's a lot going on here, even though, like, it's very little code. <laughs> it's very few lines of code, but it's a lot. So let us actually use our food maker maker, right? So const pizza maker becomes equal to food maker maker passing the argument emoji for a pizza slice, right? So if we look at the code above, food item is now the emoji for pizza slice. We say return a new arrow function, console.log food item dot repeat end, right? So food item for that one copy of the arrow function is the pizza slice. And that function that has been created, that arrow function, is now saved into the variable called pizza maker. So pizza maker is now the function we just made inside food maker maker. Okay. We make a coffee maker now. Const coffee maker becomes equal to food maker maker emoji for a coffee cup. It gets its own arrow function made with its own copy of food item, which is a coffee cup. And they get to hold on to that forever, which I can prove to you by calling pizza maker with the argument two. Where does n come from? That's where n comes from. Two. Hmm. I get two pizza slices. 
I call coffee maker with no arguments while my code says if n is not a number, make it be 1, so I get one coffee cup. I call pizza maker again, I get another pizza slice. That proves for a fact that the variable continues to exist and that the variable has its own value for every arrow function spat out by the food maker maker. Okay. <laughs> right? I, I understand the repercussions of what you're saying, and it makes sense that the um, that the argument to that outer function gets maintained as we go along because the inner function is using it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, not confused by that, but I still... It seems very odd that it's the value that's being passed into food maker maker that we were talking about being preserved. Well, it's because the arrow function uses so every function is allowed its own scope and the scope outs, and the scopes above it, right? Mm-hmm. When we learned about scopes, we learned that you get your scope plus the scopes above you until you get to the global scope, at which point there are no more scopes. You have you now have all the scopes. Right. But if you had simply said inside food maker maker, you had said return console.log food item. Then, then that it still would have been kept because it still would have been food item. You would have referred to food item. The moment you return to you refer to food item, whether it be in a console.log that's or being why, whatever. That's why it's captive and fossilized. Okay. That's why it's that, fossilized. That's the piece I needed to see without all this other stuff. So uh, at that point, if you made a pizza maker and a coffee maker, one had each emoji, those would c- continue to exist. You'd they only get one to... cup of coffee and one piece of pizza, though. Yeah, unless you called it again and said pizza maker four, and then you get four slices of pizza because you're very greedy. Well, in mine, no, no, in my example, I didn't put an N in it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I just said return console.log food item. Ah, sorry. Yes. In that case, yeah. you're absolutely correct. Yes. You'll just okay. get your one pizza slice. Okay. Interesting. And uh, you say in the show notes, this concept has a, has a name. Well, the concept of the scope being fossilized mm-hmm. is called closure. I've never understood why. It's sort of like open. Not closed, right? It's open. I'm still holding this open. I'm still hanging on to this, but it really means closed. Well, maybe closed and fossilized are somewhat the same. Yeah, I've linked to the Mozilla documentation on the concept of closures. They're immense. Their name is not good, but their effect is massively powerful. Okay. Um, I, I, I hate explaining closures to people because the name doesn't make sense and it's complicated. But the best analogy I can come up with is that you fossilize a copy of the scope and you get to hold on to it forever. So in the example above, we made an anonymous function and then proceeded to make it very unanonymous by shoving it into a variable with a name, right? I returned you an, an anonymous arrow function and then shoved it into a variable named pizza maker. And I did exactly the same with another one and shoved it in a variable called coffee maker. So they're not particularly anonymous anymore. In reality, if you're throwing around arrow functions, you're probably not going to shove them into a variable. Why not just make a normal function if that's all you're going to do? Um, so to prove that you can shove them into anything, I'm going to make an array of food makers. I'm going to make three arrays of food makers. I'm going to create an array called starter makers that's going to contain three food makers, one for a bowl of soup, one for a green salad, and one for some nice French bread. I'm going to have a mains makers array, which is going to contain a pizza slice, a taco, and some spaghetti bolognese. Uh, and dessert makers is going to have a slice of cake, some pancakes, and some ice cream. And so then we can make a function called random meal, which uses math.random to randomly pick from zero to two and give us a starter makers random element, followed by open and close parens. Those two hmm. open and close parens are really important, right? So starter makers is an array. The square bracket says, fetch me an element inside the array. So what's left to the left of those parentheses is a function. And by saying parentheses, you're saying expelliarmus, make the function go. How is, it a fun- how is starter makers a function? Okay, start, no, no. Starter makers open square bracket, some number, close square bracket. We've gone into the array and fetched a random yes. element. Yeah. Every element in that array is a function. Wait, why is every element in... 
Oh, oh, because it's what's the uh, sorry the elements inside the uh, inside the array are not the the soup, the salad, and the baguette. They are and they are a uh, an instance of food maker, food maker maker. They're a function returned by food maker maker exactly. So they are function returned by food maker. They are functions. Okay. Okay. Therefore, if I have a function and I want to make it go, I shove parens on the end of it. I shove an argument list on the end of anything, and then JavaScript will try to run it like a function. If it is a function, it will work. And if it's not a function, it was a type error. This is not a function. Okay. But in this case, they are functions. So what we're doing here is we're saying randomly pick one of the functions in the array of functions and run it. Randomly pick one of the arrays, one of the functions in the array of, ma of mains and run it. Randomly pick a dessert function and run it. So when you call random meal, you're going to get a random assortment of soup. You know, maybe maybe a soup starter followed by a taco followed by some ice cream, or the next time you might have a baguette followed by some spag ball, which would be a nice combination, actually. Um, and maybe some cake or something afterwards, right? So every time you run that random meal, you're going to get three random function calls to one of those food makers. So food maker maker has made functions, which we have then been able to call by randomly pulling them out of an array. So what if we didn't want to bother our backside saving the function made by the food maker maker anywhere? What if we just wanted to, you know, make me a function to do something, I'm going to call it immediately and I'm never going to bother saving it. Hmm, okay. Well... Food maker, open parens, close parens, calls the, sorry, food maker, maker, open parens, some arguments, close parens, calls the function food maker, maker. Food maker, maker returns a function. So if you immediately shove some more parens after it, you're going to call the returned function. So food maker, maker, open parens, the pie emoji, close parens, open parens five, close parens, Food maker maker will make a function which will then immediately be called with the argument five. So you will get five pies. Whoa. So, so we're not using those arrays anymore in no, this one. We're okay. just saying call food maker maker to make me a pie making function and then immediately use that pie making function with the argument five. Oh, okay. Okay. And it never gets saved anywhere, so it's disposable, right? We made a function, we used it once, and we never saved it anywhere. It never had a name. It just existed, hmm. we used it, and we threw it away. Well, remember that double parenthesis syntax. Because that's all over Jest as well. Jest uses functions made by functions to shorten its syntax. Hmm. So you are going to see double parentheses. Think of it like a 2D function, right? Square brackets followed by each other is an array of arrays. Right. Parens followed by each other is a function make is a function that makes a function that you then call. Huh. Okay. So they're basically I think of them as I call them 2D functions. That's probably not what they're really called. <laughs> so those two techniques, functions that return functions and this named nice dots, right, joiner.or.sort.join, that technique, both of those are very heavily used in Jest. So you are going to see that syntax all over the place in the next installment. You now know it's not magic. It's just functions that return functions and getters allowing apparent properties to really be functions in disguise. I see why you had to do this lesson, because you would have been trying to uh, teach us to use a tool that we would be going, wait a minute, what? What is this? By what magic can this possibly work? And the reason I knew to do that was because the, I remember a couple of years ago, I tried to... So when I chose QUnit a few years ago, I tried to look at the predecessor of Jest, which is something called Mocha. Mm -hmm. And Mocha used the same syntax Jest now uses. And it, I looked at it and I went, that's magic. That's not JavaScript. I don't know how that works. How can I use something I don't know how it works? How can I explain to Alison something I don't know how it works? <laughs> and I just basically went, that's voodoo. Go away. And then someone mentioned QUnit and I looked at QUnit syntax and I went, oh, I know what all that does. 
<laughs> so did this time through, did you have to go through and teach yourself this or did you already know it by the time you got there? I knew it by the time I got there because I wrote my human joiner class oh. a few years ago and I was determined because I loved is.js so much, I was determined to copy its syntax from my library. Okay. And it took me weeks of banging my head off the keyboard, but I figured it out. And once you figure it out, well, you know, hey, presto, you know, like I keep describing, we have this toolbox, right? With lots of little, you know, lots of Lego bricks of different shapes so we can assemble them into new solutions. Well, mm -hmm. I, my tool, my Lego box suddenly inherited a weirdo five-sided piece. <laughs> but you knew what to do with it when you got to Jest. But one, exactly. So once you have that in your, once you, once you've learned that skill, well, now it's with you. And when you, you can use it yourself to make things, or you can recognize it elsewhere and go, you're not magic. I recognize you. That actually circles back to the very first thing I said when we started, which is, I recognize that. I know what, yeah. I know what to do because I've seen that. I, maybe I don't know it, know it, but I know what it looks like and I can go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, that was called this, or I could, I could research it and figure out, remember exactly how it works. That's, that's yeah. a good circle back right there. Excellent. Okay, well, that's uh, that's all we have. So we have now set up. I, I've teased you quite a bit with Jest. I hope you like it as much as I do. Otherwise, <laughs> this has been a very long journey to go nowhere. But hey, look, it was interesting along the way too, right? Yeah, well, I've I've enjoyed it. I, I, and I don't even think I realized we were uh, sitting in the barn with our, our pony and not getting to go out into the, uh, into the ring yet. But we get to go out tomorrow, uh, next time. We do, and I distracted you with cake, basically. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I do like the idea of pancakes for dessert, though. You know, in the uh, United States, this is something else Jill has been mm. discussing with us, is uh, we don't have pancakes for dessert. We have big, thick, fluffy things for breakfast. See, I, I like to do both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm I find okay with both. That very enjoyable my favorite thing right this is this is something i learned in belgium of course in belgium the belgians are such amazing culinary folk you can you know a baked alaska is a cake with ice cream in it because the cake is an insulator the ice cream stays ice cream even though you bake it in the oven okay you can take amazing french crepes a bowl of really good ice cream wrap it in the crepe drizzle it with melted chocolate sauce and the ice cream won't melt that quickly. You can bring it to the table and you can have simultaneously warm pancake with hot chocolate sauce with ice cream. It I am in. is magic. The <laughs> textures, the... My, my ultimate dessert. I used to think that the Brussels waffle was the best dessert on the planet until I discovered pancakes and ice cream. Yeah. That, that is now the pinnacle of dessert. I've had the waffles. Now I need to go back. You need to go back. Actually, not, not, not bro I didn't go. Uh, yes, it was in Brussels. That's right. Well, Brussels waffles are served all over Flanders, ironically. So if you get a, one of those Belgian waffles that is, is like an inch thick and almost all air, covered to within an inch of its life with icing sugar, that's a Brussels waffle. Oof. Okay. I haven't had that. Now I'm hungry, Bart. I got, all I have downstairs is popcorn. <laughs> well, well, go enjoy your popcorn. Anyway, <laughs> even if you are hungry, <laughs> until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at podfeed or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeed.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.